welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR stories from over the last seven days. I'm Jade Burke, online editor of My Grapevine, filling in for our resident host, Sophie Parrott, this week. She will be back next week with us after a well-earned break, where she will continue to be joined by an HR journalist to explore some of the most pressing debates in HR in a 10-minute podcast. So please join me today as we properly pick apart the people function. Today, I'm joined by Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media. So thanks for joining us today, Dan. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you, Jade. Glad to be back on the podcast and excited to be discussing a legal issue, which is something I don't think we do that often on the podcast. So yeah, very excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it'll be a good exploration today. And obviously, like a large portion of the country, we are both currently working from home. Therefore, we are dialing in remotely for the podcast. We do apologise if the sound quality isn't as optimum as it could go. However, we are still dedicated to bringing you the latest topical debates in this short podcast. So last week on HR Grapevine, we reported on the news that a blogger and an account executive at a company called Hub International, based in California, um, had actually started working remotely in March due to the pandemic and was juggling work while caring for her children. She has actually raised claims that she was fired after noisy kids interrupted her work calls. In an essay published by scarymummy.com, it was revealed that she was involved in several business calls as part of her role required her to help her boss with new and existing clients. According to the essay, she said that she tirelessly tried to meet deadlines, though her boss became increasingly frustrated from hearing children in the background during these calls. Since publishing the story, it has actually been reported that she has filed a lawsuit against the company, claiming she was fired um, after complaining that her boss harassed her because he did not like that she had to care for her children during the day. According to those reports, she is suing the firm for gender discrimination and harassment, as well as wrongful termination. However, a spokeswoman for Hub International has declined to comment on the case, stating instead, while we can't comment on pending litigation, Hub is proud to have successfully transitioned 90% of its 12,000 plus employees to working remotely from home throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, while this case did take place in the US, there are some key HR takeaways for HR leaders within the UK that will likely be interested in this. So, for example, in the UK, the Equality Act 2010 makes it unlawful for an employer to discriminate against employees because of their sex. Under this act, there are also four main types of discrimination, including direct discrimination, indirect discrimination, harassment and victimisation. But Dan, I believe you've also spoken to a lawyer about this and what this actually means for employees um, under UK law. I have indeed, Jade. So before I get to the discrimination piece, I asked James Tam, who's director of legal services, whether essentially is it possible uh, in this case or in a hypothetical case similar to this to dismiss the mother? And it would be, obviously there are a lot of details that could suggest it might not be right in this case, but it is legal to dismiss someone as long as the case has been dealt with in a manner of reasonableness, and that is the law around this, um, provided that the workforce of the employer can see that HR or the employer itself dealt with these instances fairly and reasonably and with the correct procedure. And some of the comments that the mother has made in this case suggest that wasn't the case. But if those things have been done, then basically what the law is looking for is whether the dismissal was reasonable. However, 
if we assume that the mother had two years service, then she could potentially claim that she was dismissed unfairly. Obviously, we don't have the full facts of the case, and a lot of this is accusation and claim. But we'd assume that the boss in this case would be classing this sort of incident as gross misconduct. And basically, in the light of all the issues that the pandemic is causing, such as working parents, such as this woman, having to balance childcare with work, the accusations in this case towards the mother could be regarded as beyond the range of being reasonable and so unfair. If this went to a tribunal in the UK, what Tam told me was that the tribunal itself would be very, very interested to hear from the employee about why they were having to juggle childcare and work responsibilities, and that would play into classing whether this was unfair dismissal or not. But to go back to the discrimination piece, the mother could ask, or HR could ask in this case, was she being discriminated against? So for HR or the individual is to determine whether that discrimination is because of a protected characteristic, such as age, sex, race, there's a whole range of others as well. James suggested there may well be an argument of sex discrimination here, asking would a man have been dismissed in the same circumstances for the same offence? And, and if not, then the dismissal here would be directly discriminatory. There could also be an argument, as you, as you brought up earlier, Jade, of indirect discrimination too, which arises when a provision or practice is applied equally to all employees, but has the effect of disadvantaging a group who share a protected characteristic as listed above. In this case, it could be that the decision to discipline and dismiss a woman for looking after children during a Zoom call is one that, even if applied equally to all employees, is likely to affect women more as they still generally in society have primary responsibility for childcare. So there's a couple of defences there to suggest that discrimination was at play. But I think this is something you actually have some statistics around, isn't it, Jade? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Obviously, before the podcast today, I did have a look and a poll for the Young Women's Trust in 2018 revealed that 23% of females aged between 16 and 30 have been sexually harassed at work, but only 8% of those have actually decided to report it. So a survey as well launched by SME Loans last year also discovered that over 8.2 million employees in the UK feel they've been discriminated against on the grounds of their gender. So that's, that's massive numbers, really, when, you, when you're looking at it like that. And with that in mind, I did speak to John Palmer, the Senior Guidance Managing Editor at ACAS, just to find out what, what he thinks HR should be mindful of when it comes to gender discrimination in the workplace. And he explained to me that employers shouldn't penalise staff who have childcare commitments, you know, particularly during this period of time where everyone is working from home and juggling those, those sorts of things. And he stated that having open communication is actually key to improve this. So he told me, when workplace premises closed due to COVID, many employees without an existing agreement to work from home agreed with their employer that they would try. In many cases, this has worked out well and given an alternative to furlough leave or the risk of redundancy. It's important not to penalise employees with temporary childcare responsibilities, as this could result in issues like bullying, harassment and discrimination. Keeping open and regular communication is key. And he also shared crucial advice with me for those employees who feel they are being treated unfairly regarding gender discrimination within the workplace. And he went on to tell me, if an employee thinks they're being treated unfairly or they feel they are being discriminated against, they should talk to their manager, HR or trade union and follow their workplace grievance procedure. 
Now, Dan, I think you've also got some kind of exploration into that in terms of what HR should be aware of with those sorts of things. Yeah. So whilst we've, I guess, looked at the statistical evidence to suggest whether women are more discriminated against in the workplace or not and what the legal implications or the legal ins and outs of this case are I wanted to look at it from a what should HR be thinking about apart from the law in cases like this and I broke it down to a few different sections so one is the employer brand even if the leader in this case or HR thought they had grounds to dismiss this woman, I think there's also a view of, do you want to be seen as the type of employer who would take this action, essentially dismissing a working mother for trying to actually do her work whilst also balancing her kids? Those are all the facts we have. There might be a lot more to it. But essentially, that's going to be viewed by prospective employees who might actually think, oh, that's not the type of firm I want to work for. It's also going to have an impact on your culture, which potentially has follow-ons for engagement and productivity and just general morale in the company as well. It also shines a light on the importance of leaders and how they enact strategic workforce management. So from a leadership perspective, if you're the type of leader who makes quick snap decisions, especially during a pandemic when some of the facts are changing day by day and the business landscape is changing all the time, dismissing, again, a working mother or any employee because they are not able to perform their job in the way they might have traditionally done so in the office because they're balancing different things or because of different mental pressures or pressures on their time is not likely to have the positive or resolutionary uh, outcome that they might think about. So there's a lot there on what is HR doing to ensure that it's giving its leaders the skills to make the right decisions in this moment. Um, There's also a bigger line, and obviously this kind of like structures everything that just happened around the blurring of home and work now and I spoke to a HR expert on this and they said that actually professional behavior looks really different when you're working remotely especially when you're working remotely in a pandemic so failures to do things in the way that you might have done in the office isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world and and expectations have changed like prior to lockdown the prospect of a call or a meeting being disturbed by a child or a barking dog might have been met with scorn or people thinking you're not that professional but I think the prevailing view has changed really really quickly I know Jig Ramji actually talked about this in in our event and if you are listening, you can go to virtual.hrgreatbarn.com and, and check out his talk that he did. He mentioned a talk about the changing perceptions of work, which I think is actually a nice place to finish on everything that I was looking at, regardless of what HR should do in a case like this, with comments of Colette McCune, who's CEO of For Viva, who partly run a housing group in the north of England. And she said, because everything changed overnight, because we're still actually, even though we've got used to this new normal living for a pandemic, HR and employers should just be really, really forgiving of their employees at the moment. If people are working unusual hours, if they're not being as productive as they can be right now, people have got a lot of worries, a lot of stress. And actually being kind and cognizant of that during this period of time means that you might retain people in the long run, which, as Josh Burson said, is going to be the key to making sure your business gets through this really choppy and difficult time. So, yeah, Jade, that's that's everything I was looking at from the HR perspective. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, some really, um, really interesting points actually raised there in terms of just how employees should be supported when it comes to things like gender discrimination at work and obviously how HR can actually tackle that and support those people. But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content, whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events and market leading research papers. So to sign up to our daily content newsletters, which showcase solutions and best practice answers to all your HR issues, 
please visit hrgrapevine.com. Thank you.